a good move. Why you dancing? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am usually watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode. And the one thing I've learned while doing this podcast is them Aqua Teens, they don't move on their own, all right? People have to make them move, and today we are talking to two of the longtime animators on Aqua Teen who bring our favorite characters to life. We have Nathan Cherney and Joshua Mullinax. And between the two of them, they have touched basically every single bit of Aqua Teen content from 2003's Season 2, Episode 1, Super Birthday Snake, all the way up to 2023's Season 12, Episode 5, Anubis, and just about everything in between. I mean, colon movie film for theaters, Plantasm, Aquadonk side pieces, even the commercials and promos we see these guys have had a hand in. And since it's Aqua Teen, it's worth mentioning that they did more than just animation. They did special effects, compositing, all sorts of witchcraft. I'm really excited to have both of these guys on because if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you'll surely know that Aqua Teen was an insanely collaborative show to work on. Everybody involved, because it was such a small team, got to really inject their own sense of humor, their own personalities into this show we love so much. And that's why it's as great as it is. To kind of exemplify this, before we were recording, Josh said something very beautiful to me, and this was that he's basically spent his entire career outside of and after Aqua Teen really searching for the creative freedom that he had on Aqua Teen, and that's something that we'll hear from basically anybody who has worked on the show, of of how much freedom they had, and in my opinion, that's why this show is as great as it is. So, of course, we're going through all sorts of little animation stories that they have about Aqua Teen. Uh, We also hear about the impact that Aqua Teen co-creators Matt Malero and Dave Willis had on the animation process. Matt and Dave are not animators, so guys like Nate and Josh really, you know, brought their vision to life. So we'll hear about that a little bit. Nate and Josh also have a writing credit on an episode of Aqua Teen, so we get into that, kind of how that came about. If you were worried that this Aqua Teen podcast wouldn't have any Twin Peaks talk, well, you can put those worries to bed because we're talking about Twin Peaks and we're talking about so much more. It's just, again, such a treat to have these guys on. And you know what? I actually learned, if you see the cover art for this podcast, that the character with the purple mohawk in colon movie film is modeled after Nate Cherney here, and then a character we'll see on Aqua Teen with blue hair is modeled after Josh Mullinax. So not only are they Aqua Teen animators, but they have become the animated. Worth mentioning, you can check the description for timestamps to see where the conversation goes. I also have links to things mentioned in the description. And also, you can find where to contact Josh and Nate. Now, neither of them are really on social media, but Josh does have a website, joshuamullinax.com, and Nate has a demo reel that you could check out. If you like the idea of an Aqua Teen podcast, if that gets you all frisky and hot and bothered, well, make sure that you follow the show, subscribe to the show, whatever the hell, wherever the hell you're listening, because we've got other interviews, for example, with co-creators Dave Willis and Matt Malero. We've got many more to come. We've got episode deep dives. 
And you know what I've got? I've got a sincere thank you to Josh Mullinax for, for really reaching out and facilitating this to happen, and also for getting Nate Cherney on the podcast, too. Thank you to both these guys for their time. And hey, let's go talk to them right now, huh? Why not? What do we got to lose? I'm actually going to start off with a listener question because I think this is a good place to start. So supporter of the show, SwimWiki, their question is, how did it feel to return to the series after roughly eight years? So let's start with you, Josh, because you started on with Aquadonk side pieces and Plantasm. How did it feel to kind of jump back into that? It was so surreal in the best way to have worked on a show. Like I literally started working on Aqua Teen in like the early 2000s, like 2000 three or four that's whenever i first started working in animation to work on something as like your first animation job in the industry learning the ropes and all of that and then sort of building who you are as an animator over the years working on that show and other adult swim shows and then going off and doing other things and coming back so much later to like dive back in and it was so surreal and fun to like open up all of those assets again, like open up the rig, Nate, I opened up your After Effects rig. And it's one of those things where I hadn't animated in those rigs or for that show for so long. But then as soon as I opened up those files, it just all came back to me. I was literally like typing in the time remap numbers for, you know, Carl's arm moves and just being like, oh yeah, it was, you know, frame 32. Like I just remembered (laughs) the frame that it was and like how to stitched together all of those early animations, but it was it was so much fun to to work in that show again. And also to evolve it too. Like Nate, I just literally watched the first three episodes of the the newest season. And it's so fun to see how that show still holds those little animation choices that we were making back in the early days, but it has evolved into something so beautiful and cool and impressive. Yeah. It was, it's a great show to work on, but yeah, a lot of fun to return to. Well, for you, Josh, it's kind of interesting because you, my impression is you guys did the side pieces first and then did Plantasm and the side pieces was basically like the original animation while Plantasm was like a whole new beast. Yeah. So you kind of got the best of both worlds there. Uh, Also with Plantasm being storyboarded as is uh, the new season, which we'll get to that with Nate here in a, in a moment, but yeah, between like the old school Aqua Teen animation and then something more animated like Plantasm. Do you have a preference between the two? I mean, I love the new the new look of the show and how far they're taking it. When we animated the, the Aquadonk side pieces, that was actually all done in After Effects, much exactly like how we animated it back whenever I first started. And it, like I said, it was fun to go back into that style of animation uh, Plantasm was all animated in Toon Boom Harmony. Uh, and a lot of that, even the rigs and everything that we made for that show, it was all based on the original rigs that Nate made um, for whenever we were animating the show in After Effects. So I got to, yeah, I got to see sort of both sides of that where I got to like reanimate again in After Effects and relive sort of that experience of what that was like when also, you know, helping the animators understand how the show was animated in After Effects so that they could animate it in harmony. And being a part of, you know, all of those animation meetings where I I, I think whenever we first started, the animators were trying to 
over animate it in a way. And we were just like, oh, no, no, no. It can literally just be this eye move or something. I was like, we would constantly be referring back to our old episodes while still trying to evolve that style into something more impressive and new and, you know, encouraging animators to actually like redraw a character for a specific action, which is something that we never would have done right. <laughs> back in the original series. We had, you know, character art and sometimes we would incorporate like a new a new body for a character if there was like, you know, somebody was turning into a zombie or something. But otherwise it was just the same art assets used over and over again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was kind of fun to explore both of those worlds. But I, I love the direction that it's taking and the, the way that it still holds true to its origins while also bringing it into, you know, a new generation of people. Mm-hmm. Aquadonk side pieces, that was not storyboarded, right? It was not storyboarded. I mean, it was it was done in the way that all of the original episodes were done. The the editors would build animatics. And obviously that is sort of it was always our version of a storyboard. It was just this, you know, it was it was in a lot of ways what the editors did uh was very much sort of a first pass, which is extremely helpful as an animator because you see okay these animators put together this thing uh that we can reference that you know the creators of the show had watched and like helped with the pacing and then we could try to make it even better than that like that was the first pass and we we're just like okay our job was just to take it and make it whatever the next step was the polished step after that so yeah in a lot of ways that was kind of our our storyboard gotcha gotcha so uh, for you Nate my impression is that you did not work on Aquadong side pieces or Plantasm, but you jumped back in as an animation consultant on this current season, season 12. So first of all, how was it for you to get back to working on Aquatine after so long? Well, I, I, I really don't want to take too much credit because um, I was working on Archer at the time and we were in the thick of things and they really wanted me to get back into Aquatine somehow. So so really, like for maybe a day a week, I would come and like just watch what they've done, and then uh, uh, give notes. Like basically, I was telling, you know, I was looking at these really lovely animations and saying, "No, this isn't how we do it. We do it really shitty." <laughs> yeah, but you know, like like I would watch for uh, how fast the frylock flip would be, like up and down, up and down. Like it's forty frames going up, forty frames going down. Or, you know, how quickly we would animate pupils, what we would do on twos or ones, um, which is the, the technical animation thing. Uh, yeah, it was, it was it was a lot of fun getting back into it. And, and now that Archer is dead, not not technically, but but now that the show is over, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, hopefully I can go back to Aquatine at some point and actually get my hands dirty again. Archer is such a fun show to animate. Like, that's so, it's so much fun. Uh, so complex, so much more complex and involved than uh, Aquatine or any of the other shows we've ever, ever made. But although I, I, I did um, with Aquatine, I think because the animation was so limited, you really have to figure out timings and expressions and, and like really subtle kinds of way of expressing expressing emotions. And, mm-hmm. and I think that really helped with Archer animation, character animation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What were your thoughts on how the show has been kind of? evolved from plantasm kind of built upon that art style like do you have any thoughts on on the direction that it's taken since plantasm yeah it, it, it's really uh like, like josh was saying it was really interesting to, to just see more animation mm-hmm. I, I was actually kind of surprised to see carl had a walk cycle now <laughs> yeah <laughs> to just 
the up down bob thing mm-hmm. but uh yeah it is a uh, pretty fascinating to watch mm-hmm. well i kind of want to take a, a step back to you guys getting into aqua teen nate as i understand it you had not seen the show before working on it with season two episode one super birthday snake nope Gotcha. Were were you familiar with Space Ghost or any other Adult Swim stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I was vaguely familiar with a couple of Adult Swim things. I believe I had seen Space Ghost a couple of times, but really I, I was just kind of 3D modeling stuff for the Home Depot headquarters. And uh, that's where Craig Carton used to work. And he was looking for animators right when my contract there was up. So uh, I was just kind of in the right place at the right time, hop over and work on the show I'd never seen before. But it's it's very much my uh, my humor style, kind of strange, bizarre, nonsensical. Yeah, just just uh, surreal, dadaist, uh, crazy, yes. crazy style. Uh, for for you, Josh, had you were you familiar with Aquatine before jumping in on season three, episode one's video Ouija? I think yeah. So I I used to meet up with a bunch of friends on Sunday nights to watch the sopranos i think but while we were waiting for that show to come on we would flip over to adult swim Mm. and watch whatever was on over there just because it was that weird late night animation kind of thing and i think the first episode that i watched was leprocopolis yeah but i'm the only one that looks normal enough to go into town and buy us food isn't that right normal you're not even Irish! Look, I told you when we met that I was not a leprechaun, that I was from Rhode Island, and that I was half Korean, and you said it didn't matter. You're both yo-yos. Shut up, you yo-yos. And I remember loving that episode and just being like, what is this? But <laughs> I, I kind of knew I didn't have cable, so it was just whenever I would go over to my friend's house, he would have cable and we would watch it there. But um, I think I remember learning about all of that Cartoon Network Adult Swim stuff. I think it was like reading Wizard Magazine and like seeing an interview with Space Ghost or something strange like that, some (laughs) magazine interview and reading it as a kid and just being like, what is this? But being excited because I also remembered watching Space Ghost, like the original series, Mm -hmm. you know, in the syndication whenever I was a kid. So yeah, I think it was kind of this, the, the idea of taking an old show using the assets from an old show and like repurposing it to like make new art. Like that was really exciting to me. And so, yeah, that's how I first heard of that world jumped in. Right. Yeah. It was almost like a predecessor to a lot of um, kind of uh, like YouTube videos and internet art where you see people repurposing popular yeah. content all the time while, uh, you know, back in the days of just really television at that point in the early mid nineties, it's like, that was <laughs> not something that was, super common at least done in that way yeah like even aqua Teen too like that was you know we, we were making the art for the show but then like repurposing and reusing every asset mm. of that anytime like anytime a character had to pick up an object we were thinking oh like what episode was it where you know shake had this particular shaped hand that we would just reuse over and over again just recycling as much as humanly possible and even sometimes you know taking art that we thought might work and just, you know, completely gutting it and, you know, in Photoshop, deleting various parts of it to make new things. And yeah, so much fun. I was reading uh, Nate talking about that in an interview where just like that's what a lot of what you guys would do is having to kind of Frankenstein these things together because you guys couldn't get these new animations. So you had to just do the best you could with yeah. with old animations and, and cutting stuff together. 
I should ask, uh, uh, Nate, are you from Atlanta or at least Georgia? Uh, yeah, I'm from, well, I was born in Kentucky, but I moved here when I was five. So I've been in Georgia pretty much my whole life. Gotcha. And then what about you, Josh? Are you from Atlanta or Georgia as well? No, I grew up in Southern Illinois, just this impossibly small town, mm-hmm. uh, and then came to Atlanta to go to college. Uh, and that's when I first started uh, interning uh, with the animation studio Radical Axis that made uh, Aqua Teen. So it just, I just kind of happened to fall into it and start working on it then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from Northeastern Illinois. I'm from uh, nice. kind of like an hour and a half outside of Chicago. So <laughs> That's great. I'm on the opposite end, southern yeah. end of the, chip, of the state as well. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I, I was almost in Wisconsin where I grew up. But <laughs> um, so uh, I guess for because I know both of you guys seemingly went to college uh, to for animation. Uh, it appears so. Uh, Josh, when did you realize that you wanted to become an animator, or at the very least, work in television? Like, were you always into that stuff growing up, or or how did you fall into that? I mean, I, I definitely. I, I definitely always considered myself an artist, even though I I feel like whenever you ask someone if they're an artist, they always immediately think of whether or not they draw. Like, I feel like that's kind of something that always comes up first. And I definitely, I would always be drawing and doodling, but I never considered myself talented. But because of the, the era sort of that I, you know, grew up and started experimenting with art, especially in high school and stuff, a lot of it was you know, in the rise of that, you know, Macromedia Flash and, you know, early Adobe Photoshop and After Effects and Premiere. And so I started diving into a lot of that uh, in high school and sort of creating art in different ways using software, which is something that, I mean, even whenever I was in high school, we only had, um, you know, one art class that utilized computers. And that was, that was, the I, I think it was the only art class I took in high school was computer art. And that style of making art in a new interesting technological way was really exciting to me so that's kind of how i jumped into it that way uh for you nate same question like uh what made you realize you wanted to become an animator or work in television i started out kind of going more towards uh computer animation um i I was always both kind of smart book side but also art artistic so so the i think it was jurassic park where, where it was like, you know, I wanted to become a paleontologist for a while. So there, there was that, and then Jurassic Park came out. And I'm like, no, I, I think I kind of want to animate these things. It would be fun to do that. So um, it's tough to think about mm-hmm. how you get into something like this animation. What it, it's just something that kind of, I don't know, it just kind of happened. But then once mm-hmm. I found yeah. it, and I'm sure Nate, the same for you, you just kind of fall in love with it. It's literally like mm-hmm. breathing life into you know, drawings, like how much fun is that to mm-hmm. take something like that and create movement and, you know, especially working on a show as like niche and cult, I think as Aqua Teen is like, that's hopefully going to live around forever. And to have a little part of that, like that was so much fun to to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, did you watch like a lot of animation when you were like in school? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've always liked animation. Um, um, I, I think. The the big thing for me growing up was was I always kind of like had had an interest in in like movie special effects, mm. watching behind the scene things. I guess throughout the '90s that was like you know big on the DVDs, so that was always fun to watch and and you know getting more and more into computer animation. Then I kind of switched over to more 2D animation, like Josh said, just the, because a lot of kids 
grew up with Jurassic Park. A lot of them were becoming computer animators when I became a computer animator. So uh, the job field was pretty saturated (laughs) when I came out. So uh, I was lucky to end up um, in 2D and and I really liked it. It's the way we kind of puppet the characters and and move them. It really is a lot like 3D animation. Mm -hmm. Like we aren't drawing it. We're, you know, moving things at their joints. I'm glad you said that, Nate, because like you had this interest in kind of special effects and stuff. But working on Aqua Teen, you guys got to do so much. Like it wasn't just animating 2D characters. You also did special effects. And I mean, there's even live action special features on the DVDs, like the Terrorphone series, which I absolutely love that you guys both worked on too. So you got to work in live action as well. So it kind of afforded you all sorts of experiences, I'm sure, as compared to... uh some other things that you may have worked on. That actually leads me to another listener question. Supporter of the show, Carson, wants to know, in terms of crediting, what was the difference between a like special effects credit and a VFX credit versus, say, an animation credit on Aqua Teen? Josh, could you kind of differentiate between those? Yeah, that was something that I always thought was really hilarious about working in Aqua Teen is we were credited, I think, as... It's like under special effects categories or compositing, I think, was something that we were constantly uh, credited as. And I mean, at, at the time, I never even thought of it. Like whenever, whenever I got, uh, you know, an animation job after working uh, on Aqua Teen, it, I had to keep reminding myself like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm an animator, not, not a compositor or not a visual <laughs> effects you know, person. Right. But um, I think it, it was because we were trying to differentiate between the 2d animators that would create new assets uh for each episode like todd redner was you know going in there and like saying looking at the script and saying okay we need you know a tooth fairy for this episode so let's draw some options for that he would create all of this amazing 2d character art that then would be scanned in and then nate and i would play with that in after effects to animate those characters breaking apart the joints, you know, sequencing all of the animation together and adding effects on top of that. So it sort of turned into us being animation generalists where we were doing, you know, the puppet style animation within After Effects, but then also, you know, adding in visual effects, particle effects, making things explode, blood, fog, water, like all this stuff. So we kind of had our hand in a little bit of everything mm-hmm. uh, as animators on that show. But I, yeah, I think it just kind of falls into this weird nebulous space of animation generalists and mm-hmm. it, it it was always funny after that for people to call us compositors because we're like yeah i guess we did composite the shots too but we also animated them yeah i think one of the things that with uh, animation studios is typically larger studios you have to be more of a specialist like, like you you're you're good at uh, at compositing or good at character animation or something specific but but with the uh, smaller studios, you have a lot more that you're in charge of that you have to deal with. With like, so it's it's really a jack of all trades kind of situation, which is really the norm for Aqua Teen and really any capacity besides, I guess, being a voice actor. <laughs> which of course, all you know, like somebody like Dave Willis was uh, the king of multitasking. But you know, guys like I guess Carrie and, and Dana, they just voice acted, but everyone else was almost doing like a bunch of different things. Yeah, wearing a lot of hats, for sure. Yes, absolutely. So I was hoping you guys could walk us through kind of the process of working on a typical episode. Now, I know that every episode was different. You kind of had different things. But um, I guess to kind of start us off, like I know that you guys would start off 
I assume getting the the animatic from the editors. But to the best of your ability, uh, Josh, if you can kind of walk us through what that process looked like. And of course, Nate, feel free to jump in at any point. Yeah, I mean, the at least our sort of side of uh, creating the show in After Effects definitely started with getting those uh, animatics from the editors, uh, which would have the entire radio play married to very rough animation, you know, where the, where the editors would think that the, you know, the camera cuts would be uh, roughly what was happening. Like, you know, if shake were, you know, picking up an object or something like that, sometimes it would literally just be like, you know, the image of the object that he's holding just floating over his hand or something. Um, But every aspect of that show, I mean, we would, we would start it by, like I was saying, getting the, the scripts from, you know, Adult Swim, Matt and Dave delivering the scripts and that would go to the 2D department. They would, you know, start creating new sketches for um, the the new characters that were in that episode, the new villains, the Monster of the Week style villains that they would have for every episode. And also, you know, reading the scripts and finding out, oh, is there, you know, a particular arm or gesture or body or something that we need for Carl and having to draw that and sketch it out. Uh, I was a part of the, I guess the, the, the digitizing station that we had set up that would literally, cause Todd would animate all of these new characters and everything on paper. Like it was all sketching everything out, inking it with pencil, uh, and then scanning that into Photoshop. And so I would scan each cell, you know, in our little, uh, scan station, bring it into Photoshop, do a bunch of cleanup on the, the art itself, do the paint. Um, uh, then sequence all of that stuff in After Effects, import all of the uh, the art, all of the individual frames that we would need and start creating sort of basic rigs uh, for these new characters and then updating our old main characters with their new assets and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, as for when the animation started in After Effects and when we were building the show, once we got those animatics and we would watch through the episodes, I mean, that's when it would, would jump off. We would split it into... Uh, individual chunks kind of assign those scenes out and then we would just get to creating and polishing and building it into what you saw when it aired on on tv does that does that uh does that check out nate is he right or is he lying to us uh i think he's pretty good (laughs) most of the uh bullet points (laughs) uh how often would you guys interact with matt and dave like while working on an episode they were always at the studio i mean it was kind of a they would pop in for reviews. That, that's probably when we saw them the most often is whenever they would come in for uh, episode reviews. Whenever we would finish something, uh, they would watch it through with us. Honestly, it was kind of the most fun part of working on that show was just seeing what we could create and what Dave and Matt, or what we could get them to laugh at, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm sure, Nate, you feel the same, but they always wanted us to go over the top and just make it funny that's what they said yeah just make it funny there there was nothing uh that was too much and if if it ever did get to the point where it was too much they would dial us back but they always wanted us to go to the extremes and as long as it was funny and it made us laugh and then being able to be in a review where we got to see them laugh on at the things that we made like that was you know, the best. That was what we strived for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that's probably our biggest interactions with them. 
but then also, you know, as as we were, you know, building, doing character designs and building um, the the rigs and showing the new animations and stuff, I, I remember many times where Dave and Matt would be in the studio and just see what we were working on over our shoulders and give us notes on on little things and try to act it out. Dave was always really big at acting things out. I remember <laughs> this one time. I can't remember what episode it was, but Carl was uh, chatting with a guy in a tracksuit. They were like pushing and shoving each other around. And I, Dave was just like, no, 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 you should be more like this. And he was like picking me out from my desk and like showing me <laughs> around the, the studio, trying to explain like how Carl would be pushed around by this guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were always a part of, you know, the creative process and that creation of that show. It's that uh, Buddy Nugget? Buddy Nugget. That's the one I was thinking of. Multiverse versions of Carl. um do you guys uh remember if there was any particular episodes that took like a really long time to get right that like you had to keep going back and like editing things on oh i that that was another kind of great thing about that show is that at no other show that i've ever worked on i felt that we had the most sort of freedom with what we did, but also freedom with the amount of time that it took us to do things. I'm sure it's not the case, but it's me thinking back to just this feeling of, oh, we could just take as long as we wanted. That wasn't the case. Obviously there were schedules, but (laughs) I I don't know if it was just because it was my first animation job and I was just like, oh, it'll just be done when it's done. But a lot of times it just kind of felt that way where we could just take the time that we needed to, to build something. I mean, the, the first Aqua Teen movie kind of comes to mind that was the first time we had dove into building anything at 2k resolution. Like everything before that was standard definition and making that movie, we were just like, Oh, let's do everything. And, you know, high def and the computers that we were working on at the time. I mean, they would struggle to render that stuff. It was Nate. I don't know if you remember, but I remember us finishing the movie rendering out the 1920 by 1080 renders for all of the scenes Mm -hmm. but our computers that we were working on at the time couldn't play the renders at at real time like i don't know if it was the codec we were using or or what but we couldn't just watch the renders and so nate and i just had a couple of days where we just sat there with quicktime open holding down the right arrow key just to progress the frames and just watch it in slow motion uh just to see and we still missed like the most obvious like pops and you know errors for that entire movie but i don't know i guess we knew where all the bodies were buried and all the little (laughs) mistakes that we made along the way but yeah that that was one that i felt like we spent a ton of time on just from a technological stand (laughs) it just took us a while to Mm -hmm. build something uh as grand at that time even though it wasn't really even that grand, but for us, it felt like it. And I'm sure that you guys are laughing at that idea now. Like, really, that's what that's what we were. <laughs> yeah. And and now, I mean, even with Plantasm, that was the first time we made that jump into 4K, mm-hmm. which, I mean, was such a hilarious idea to think about opening up these old assets that you know were literal Photoshop scans from paper and being like, okay, let's make this 4K. What do we got to do to? up res all of this art again you know after like i think the 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 art that i was providing to the animators for them to recreate and harmony were literally the same photoshop files that we had used to build the show in standard definition that we had then 
blown up in Photoshop and, you know, used a technique. I think Craig and and me and Nate were figuring out like how we were going to like upres these characters so that they weren't blurry. Uh, it was those same files that we just like passed along to building it at 4K. Didn't Craig get his a uh, wife to help out with that at some point? Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> I think everyone had a hand in trying to figure out how to because we had. I mean, it was so many layers. This was before any kind of automation or especially now, like, you know, using AI to like automate, you know, processes and stuff like that. This was all just someone had to literally sit there and be like, oh, this is Shake's turn number three. We need to like upraise that one, upraise that one drawing. And yeah, the painstaking process that that, that, that uh, took to, to get it there. Supporter of the show, Joe, would like to know what's the most complex animation you worked on for the show? <laughs> I, I like to think that we definitely did some complex stuff. Um, I got, I got one that pops into my head, Nate working on spy, the episode spy, like that was pretty complex when we were working on it. Like you were literally, I remember you went and like bought a video game controller in order to like animate the 3D Aqua Teen cart mm-hmm. car thing, like Nate did all of the 3D animation for that episode. Like we hadn't done stuff like that before. Like that mm-hmm. felt like it was such a step outside of our comfort zone. Um, that was pretty complicated. I would like to mention that uh, episode is commonly known as "Last Dance for Napkin Lad" for anybody who doesn't know the in term for it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, that's the other funny thing. Every episode that we had would have a code name for the most part. Sometimes it would be the same as the actual episode name. Yeah. But we, Were they actually code names or just something that would get changed later? Yeah, I think it was just whatever the temp name was that the editors would start with. We'd, this, this episode would be known as Spy, but then later it would change to Last, Last <laughs> Dance with Napkin Lad, which is a much better title for sure. But uh, Nate, do you remember any sort of like besides that episodes, any any sort of uh, like complex bit of animation that you that you had to work on? Well, I remember um, not quite the answer to this question, but I remember uh, for the movie when Doctor Weird turns inside out. Can you uh, can you help him move out? Inside out. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm just gonna let you have this one. Clay Croker, the animator, he he called that like his. I think he labeled the file Magnum Opus or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was Magnum Opus. Yeah. I ended up covering the whole thing with blood, so you couldn't really see much of it. Yeah, I, I uh, remember in the commentary, I think he's talking about that or, or on some special feature mm-hmm. and just like how much time and I think how much money it costs to do that <laughs> animation too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most impressive uh, ones from the show. Nate, what is something that you wish you knew when you started working on Aqua Teen? So in terms of like animation, like is there a specific a bit of advice you might have for yourself back in 2003 when you first started working on Aqua Teen? I think we really kind of, I, I was the one who kind of brought the um, writing Java expressions for After Effects into it. Uh, at the time, we it was pretty much just turning layers on and off, like 0% opacity to 100% opacity for, you know, just change layer on and off. So, so um, I really wish I had known. Well, I did know coding, but I didn't realize that you could really do that in After Effects. Mm. After Effects is kind of a fun program where it's like you you could teach pretty much anyone, like my nephew, to use it more or less in, in an afternoon. But there's like still little shortcuts and things I'm I'm still finding <laughs> thirty years later. Right. 
Yeah, that is really true. Nate, your, your rig, I mean, that, you know, Nate literally took this show, like he was saying, from something where it was, it was just turning off, you know, the various layers that build up a character, just turning the opacity on and off to building these really incredible, complex rigs at the time, for sure, um, that we used for so much of that series. The entire time I was there, like it was all based on those rigs. I remember (laughs) you, it was the first time I had seen a complex rig like that, that used a lot of that JavaScript stuff. And, uh, just trying to understand how it worked was like something that I was constantly trying to, to figure out. But I remember that you, you hid a layer in one of the comps (laughs) that, that you, you, like as you're animating, there there would be no reason why you would go into this comp because everything was controlled outside of the comp. Could you uh, define what a comp is? I'm oh, sorry. Um, think of it like um, uh, like folders within folders, right? So like if you had a, a bunch of layers that would make a body, you could create a folder that contained all of this. It's a container mm-hmm. of of all of those layers. So Nate had had made this container, this comp uh, that you would have no reason to go into. Uh, because everything was scripted outside of that, but me, being the dumb you know beginner animator that I was, uh, would always go into that comp. But Nate had named the only layer inside of that comp Josh sucks, <laughs> and so every time I would go in there, it would just be this constant reminder of just like, oh, I don't need to be here. Nate's telling me I don't have to be here. <laughs> but yeah, those those rigs. I mean, I, they they were so much fun to animate, and once you sort of got the hang of it, but even. Yeah, Nate, animating on Archer mm-hmm. years and years later, and just seeing the complexity that we could have built any of those yeah. of those comps at. To be fair, they they had a number of people working on, right? And we, they they pretty much kind of they might have built off of what we did originally, because because After Effects really wasn't built for our, our kind of animation. So yeah, um, exactly, yeah. It was very innovative. Nate, Nate, you did a lot for, for that show when we first started. Actually, I think that that would go back to uh, your earlier question about what would be the most complicated animation I worked on. I think uh, maybe Mouth Quest, the, uh, clay, mm. the uh, clay animation yeah. episode. I, I had to write a lot of like uh, code for that one where, where it, would, um, you know, it would cycle between, it would choose a random frame of, of you know three or four different frames of the character's shape with with the fingerprints in them so as, as the the mouth would change the uh, shape of the character would also change a little bit and everything would jitter around just a little bit so so there was a lot of coding i had to do for that one so that episode wasn't claymation then was it all just 3d uh, uh not even 3d well well they built the characters in clay and photographed them and then we took them all into a so, so it's kind of like photoshopping everything. It, it it really was a lot of fun that episode. But I I'm I'm glad that it reads as as an actual play animated piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the way that you guys did it actually sounds a lot smarter than what I was thinking that you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, always trying to uh, cut corners. That's that's what we have to do in the uh, limited animation genre. Right. Right. Uh, Josh, for you, is there anything that you wish that you could tell yourself back in like 2003, 2004, when you started working on Aqua Teen, any sort of advice that you would have had? Oh boy. If I, if I could go back in time, I think I would just remind myself to enjoy what I was doing. I have constantly been chasing the feeling of being able to animate on that show and just having sort of that freedom 
of the amount of time it would take us to build things as well as just being able to do looking at those animatics and just being like how can i make this funnier mm-hmm. and just doing wild and crazy things like it was so much fun uh so i think i, w- I would just go b- go back in time and tell myself hey you're never going to be able to experience this again just just have fun have fun doing this right um yeah man there i mean there's so much i i think all of the 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 current way that the show is animated is so much an evolution of what we had built upon. I, I love the direction of everything that we are doing now for that show. If anything, I think, you know, showing my, my old self, uh, the way that that show evolved would be really fun just to see how much further you could take things with the skill of all of the, you know, the new animators that are working on that show. They do a fantastic job. Listener Carson has another question for you guys, and Carson wants to know, what was your favorite episode to work on? Nate, do you have a one that pops to mind? Not necessarily like your favorite episode, just one that you have a lot of fond memories of working on. Yeah, that, that is pretty tough, Josh. <laughs> that is such a tough question. I I was trying to think of when I was looking back to like scanning through some old episodes uh, recently. And I was remembering uh, Egg Ball. That was a really fun one to oh, yeah. work on. Oh, Contact Lens. Contact Lens was great. Contact Lens, because we, uh, we helped write that one, kind of. Right, I was going to ask about that, yeah. So that, that one's released as Laser Lenses. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw that you guys have credits on that for writing. So could you kind of walk us through what that looked like? I think that was mostly... I mean, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember them... Dave and Matt approaching us about the possibility that we could submit scripts uh, or ideas or something. And I remember being extremely busy on other things at the time. And so, Nate, I think you pretty much wrote the entire script that, that we submitted. Well, well it was I, a, that's what I remember. Yeah, it was a Craig Carton and us, too. So yeah. we uh, kind of just sat in a conference room and, and just brainstormed out basically more or less our, all, all our bar ideas. And then uh, I just took it home and wrote it up like pretty much in a night, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. And I mean, the, <laughs> the episode that we delivered was not used verbatim. Obviously it, nope. <laughs> I, I think that we're credited as having story elements in quotes, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, our, the idea of Brylock having contact lenses, I think was the big thing that carried over to the episode. I, I think that was uh, my idea. And, and, th- and that ended up being a, that, that was just like a little side joke that we made in, in the episode that we wrote. And that yeah. kind of became their, they, they just took that and ran with it and threw in a couple of our jokes that we had written. That one did feel special to animate only because it was exciting to know that we had a little piece of that at the beginning. So that whenever we started animating that episode, I, that episode is like, fairly effects heavy i mean shake is just like lightning destroying everything in the house and there's <laughs> dust everywhere like that yeah. was a lot of fun to just kind of go ham on and make something weird also i think um i, I think it ended up being more, like one of my favorite episodes even like in the end just overall probably top five at least i know you guys are kind of like downplaying it because you're like oh they didn't really use like a lot of what we did but i mean the fact that matt and dave wrote that entire show i think it's whenever i see another any sort of writing credit on it it's pretty substantial because that did not happen a lot um nate 
did you like had you written scripts and stuff before then did you mess around with writing before then uh no that was pretty much first time gotcha just gave it a shot uh would you happen to have the script still mm, i don't know josh i don't i don't think i do either i mean i'm sure it exists somewhere gotcha. i i i anytime i mean we 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 always kept all of our files very organized and uh, on our studio server at the time. But at the end of every season, I mean, we would take everything that we had in that Aquatine folder and put it on hard drive. So it exists somewhere in the Turner archives um, that we would deliver to to William Street. So I'm sure somewhere out there, there's yeah. a, a, PD, a PDF with, with uh, <laughs> our names on it, but I don't have access to it. Gotcha. Well, if you guys run across it, let me know. I'd love to do something on that. That'd be really cool to see. So I know I kind of asked you like favorite episodes to work on, but do you have any just like favorite episodes as a viewer of the show? I mean, my favorite, like I was saying, my favorite episodes would probably be those early episodes that I was watched whenever I was first introduced to the show, like Leprocopolis or, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Rabot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just in those early days, it was just always on Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah, my favorite episodes. I, I, I don't know that I have like a favorite favorite, but there are so many individual moments out of all of those episodes mm -hmm. that we worked on that every time I would hear it, I mean, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but there are so many times where I would hear a bit of dialogue and I'd be like, oh man, that was the funniest. Like I, I remember animating that. It was so fun. But I, mean, I think that's one of the things that made an episode more enjoyable to work on would be the uh, actual audio dialogue recorded as we would end up just quoting it over and over as we worked on it. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's one of the, um, let's say special things about doing the lip sync is, is you hear the audio over and over again and more chunks just for days at a time. Yeah. Nate, you basically lip synced that entire shit. Like I very rarely did lip sync. I, I would, whenever I first started, I would do, sort of like a first pass setup, But then, I mean, after that, I mostly just focused on character animation and I would just always leave the lip sync to use. <laughs> I think you always ended up doing... <laughs> you probably heard the dialogue for that show over and over again more than anyone else. So, Josh, you said that you left the lip sync for Nate. Is that something that, like, you guys could kind of decide what you worked on? I, I think... I don't I don't know if it was just because I was, I was very green, uh, but, I mean, we there were a lot of times where you know, each of us would animate something and then the other person would do another pass or do notes on it. And we, and we kind of always just shared our work a little bit. Yeah. Every now and then there were certain scenes where we would feel a sense of, no, this is mine. Like, I want to do everything in this. Um, but for the most part, I think we, we just constantly pass files back and forth and work on each other's stuff. I think I had never done any sort of lip sync before, but um, I think it was pretty much Craig just didn't feel like doing lip sync anymore. <laughs> Because that was way back in the beginning when I started doing lip sync. So he had just assigned it to me one day and I kind of took over from there. Nate, to sing your praises, I like, because I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Aquatina is so limited on animation. But I feel like the lip sync was always done to a very high quality, uh, especially compared to a lot true. of other Thanks. animation shows. I'd like to move on to, uh, we'll go through here and go through some of your guys' favorite things. I'll, I'll ask you a uh, little bit about yourselves and this will be the same question uh, to each of you so nate what is your favorite film or one of your favorite films uh, when you sent us these questions they, they it, it seemed so hard i couldn't like narrow anything <laughs> down but um, 
Her favorite film, I think I could go with Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. maybe 12 Monkeys and Cemetery Man. Kind of, that's a kind of obscure horror movie there. But, I'm not uh, as familiar with that one, yeah. It's also known as a Del Morte Del Amore. Oh, okay. okay. The other name for it. It's Italian and it's based on a uh, graphic novel. It's that rings some bells. An existential zombie movie. What about you, Josh? What, what's a favorite film? Uh, those are all great picks, uh, Nate, especially Cemetery Man. That's based on Dylan Dog, the yeah. Italian comic. Um, my favorite movie uh, ever made is Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Speaking of 12 Monkeys, Nate. Brazil, I saw at just the right time in my life. It is an amazing, trippy, visually stimulating, insane movie that has echoed so many aspects of my life it's strange and i just love that movie so much ronnie i was telling you earlier i have a film club that i run with some friends called vhs party where i just have some friends over every month and we watch weird movies that i find at thrift stores on vhs and i screen it and with you know through a projector so we have watched so many <laughs> insane culty bizarre films the one that I always say is always my favorite is uh, Heavenly Bodies, which is this, I think it's Canadian aerobics film. Uh, it's just amazing. And I could just watch it over and over again. And it's so stupid. Um, but so many of the movies that we've watched for that, I would say are my favorites, especially because I have such fond memories of just watching them with this film club and mm-hmm. laughing and um I don't know, just seeing stuff that you could have easily gone your entire life would just never have even heard hearing of any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate, you and I love film noir. I remember Nate really got me into film, film noir back in the day. Uh, so, you know, watching Double Indemnity and Third Man and all those amazing early noirs, that's another fave of mine. I like David Lynch a lot. I like a lot of movies. Yeah. Nate, you and I were chatting about like not having this is my favorite movie. Like you can't just like say one thing. It's just this list of like, I literally have a list in my phone. of Right. Amazing movies. The most recent movie that I watched that I loved was bottoms. That movie was hilarious. Um, you also uh, really like the evil dead movies, mm. evil dead. We watched like at the, at the time, especially in uh, early Aqua team, whenever we were working on that show, we were constantly trading uh, horror movies back and forth and just weird <laughs> stuff that we've, that we found. A lot of that, I mean, just watching Aquatine, the it, around season four, five in there, like everyone always complains and it complains. They always talk about the, uh, the, the upping, the violence, like mm-hmm. there was definitely Nate and I sort of like playing with, the uh, over the top mm-hmm. horror violence with mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, the Aquatine animation stuff that we were doing all because we were just watching a lot of evil dead and right. dead alive and all of those amazing movies. For the movie, I think I said like my goal was to get it an R rating. And it <laughs> yeah. really didn't take too much. <laughs> yeah. I, I I really don't understand how that movie got an R rating. It's pretty tame, but um, yeah, it's the NBAA. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with that. Um, Nate, favorite TV show? I don't even know where to begin. I <laughs> really like uh, Black Sails. It, it was a, a pirate based around kind of the prequel to Treasure Island. It, it really did an impressive job of merging actual pirates with, with more of the fictional pirates, like, like Blackbeard was on there. You had Calico Jack and Bonnie, but it was 
really well done. The first season is a little rough. I feel like the producers are kind of uh, Game of Thrones was really big at the time. So it kind of felt like they were saying, yeah, make it like super edgy, like Game of Thrones, do all this. Make, but but it's it's got a really satisfying ending for and that's kind of hard to say for shows. But uh, right. Especially Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that would probably be one of my favorites if it had stuck the landing in the end. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, Always Sunny, very Gotham. I just watched Scavenger's Reign. Oh, I've heard that's good. Yeah, that's 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 pretty amazing. The it's beautifully animated, except for the first shot. The first shot is it's really static. It's like two characters that don't even matter in the end. They they're just uh, we in Archer we would call them drones, just background characters. But <laughs> just just stick through the first shot, and everything looks beautiful afterwards. But um, Ash versus Evil Dead. I like the um, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass. I guess some of the uh, shows that, that were I loved growing up star trek tng dr cats kid in the hall and uh full house oh there you go <laughs> I, I unironically like full house yeah that's a good show yeah the, the original one i don't know about the reboot I, I watched a few episodes of the reboot it was pretty good it, it it was interesting but uh i don't know i lost interest at some point and, and moved on mm-hmm. maybe got too busy but what about you josh favorite tv show this was harder for me i don't i don't watch a ton of tv uh Twin Peaks is amazing. I mentioned lunch earlier. Season three was probably the most fun I've had watching TV recently, just mm-hmm. dissecting every single one of those episodes and yes. the weird ways that it made me feel like was such a fun thing to do and talk to other people about. Like it, I haven't I haven't had a show where I would watch an episode and then be so excited to go to work and just talk <laughs> to the people that I know also watch the episode right. and just like trying to come up with our weird theories about what the show's about or what, you know, the way that made us feel. Something that shocked me was I was talking to uh, Matt Malero about like, like his David Lynch inspirations. Cause we see a lot of it throughout Aqua Teen. And he said that he's only seen the third season of Twin Peaks and he loved it. But I'm like, <laughs> how do you only see the third season and not the first two? Because <laughs> it's all it's built upon. Yeah, I think you could totally do that. It's such a different vibe. Yeah, that's so interesting. It goes in so many different directions, but yet is still communicating the same thing, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Is it um, episode eight? That's the really crazy one. Yeah. I think that one could stand on its own, really. Oh, 100%. The, the... Yeah, I don't remember what it was like. Black and white was it in black and white? Yeah, and yeah. There were there were bits of it that were in black and white. They had the nuclear the autumn, explosion. The, yeah, mm-hmm. the atom bomb. Yeah. All of the lumberjacks and the yeah. Uh, yeah. the gas station. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating, wonderful stuff. I yeah, I loved watching that show. Other show, uh, How to with John Wilson is one of my current favorites. I I guess it's over now. I don't know if they're making more of that show, but the seasons that are available is such a fascinating voyeuristic look at just random weird bits of new york city and beyond uh that was such a fun show to watch um and the last one i have on my list is a uk show called taskmaster that i have been watching it's just a weird sort of british panel show uh, improv comedy based uh kind of weird show that uh is a lot of fun but yeah those are my favorites Interestingly enough, none of them are animated. Which yeah, I thought was kind of funny <laughs> as I was looking back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate, do you have what, what are some of your favorite bands? I, I really like Muse. I think maybe my favorite band of all time: '80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster. Still a big mama, you 
it's it's a mouthful and no one knows it. But uh, Edgar Wright was was he he directed a few uh, of their music videos and they he even included like a couple nods and references in Shaun of the Dead and one of the their songs is in Shaun of the Dead. But uh, lately, I've been listening to a lot of Ice Nine Kills and uh, Tubbering, which which is a band I've kind of gotten into a lot recently. Like listen over and over again. Uh, I I went to a whole bunch of concerts this year. I saw. Uh, Muse live earlier at, at the uh, Shaky Knees Festival. Um, Ginger, Disturbed, that, that was at a concert with Breaking Benjamin. That, that was a really good, all of these are good concerts, but I saw Tool live. Oh, that's cool. And that's that's a really awesome band to see live as well as Muse. Uh, we were always sharing music too. Uh, you know, whatever you were playing in the car, going to lunch and stuff like mm-hmm. that over the years. A lot of really amazing punk stuff that I remember us listening to as well. Bad Religion was was one of my favorite bands too. What about you, Josh? What are some of your favorite bands? Uh, right now, uh, this year, I've been listening to Caroline Polachek almost oh, exclusively. Nice. Yeah. Well, That Desire I Want to Turn Into You album, I just cannot stop listening to. It is so good. And I I typically don't find myself listening to pop, per se, or art pop, or whatever genre you would mm-hmm. categorize that. But I think it's just an amazing album. And I love her voice and the way that she constructs songs is mind-blowing. And I really, really love her a lot. Um, Death's Dynamic Shroud, uh, they're always weird, fantastic headspace to sort of put yourself into and old stuff like i talked about devo like i love devo talking heads i love talking head stuff um yeah sparks are amazing nate do you have a favorite album actually like, if i could go back for a second the uh, yeah the the other big concert that i, I can't believe i forgot was the cure oh so shit the cure <laughs> yeah that's a big one <laughs> mm-hmm. i think maybe the favorite one of all time and i, I think because it, it actually kind of it's a little historical, but uh, refused shape of punk to come. great album mm-hmm. that, that, that kind of marked the end of 90s punk and, and moved everything into post-punk mm. and it's 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 a really good album to listen to it it sounds a little dated because they use a lot of techno noises but i guess techno oh. is kind of coming back so yeah yeah i would say as well news uh origin of symmetry is a really good album that i listen to over and over again what about you josh any any favorite albums uh i'm looking literally looking through my phone um <laughs> The album that I feel like I can always come back to and uh-huh. listen again and again and again uh, is a band named Ice Choir. Desire, 
Oh, I love Ice Choir. They have an album called Designs and Rhythm that I can just always put on, and it just always is amazing. I love that 80s inspired mm-hmm. synth pop style uh, construction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, uh, Kurt Feldman of Ice Choir, he does like all sorts of really cool stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, Nate. So do you have a favorite game? This could be a video game, a film, whatever. I really like Tetris. Tetris is something I always end up going back to. Oh, man. I got really addicted to uh, Tetris 99 on the Switch. Uh, what about you, Josh? Um, the most recent game that I played that blew my mind and is currently my favorite game ever made is Elden Ring. Hmm. That game, I never played a FromSoft game, mm-hmm. and I just picked it up. Someone recommended it. I picked it up and started playing it, and it the visual storytelling, the environmental story storytelling in that game is just next level insane. Mm-hmm. And it is a very difficult game. I know everyone's always going to tell you that FromSoft games are like impossibly right, hard. Right. But I'm a terrible video game player. <laughs> and I, you know, I was so fascinated with existing in that world that I was literally just like in a crouch position just crawling through the levels just so that I can slowly take everything in and see everything that that game has to offer. But that's most recently been the game that I cannot stop thinking about and going back to. Um, Otherwise, anything Nintendo, Mario Kart, I mean, ever since I was in college, every iteration of Mario Kart that's come out, uh, we've always played with friends. And, you know, anything Nintendo puts out is always just so well constructed and Mm -hmm. safe and fun and i mean any zelda game or any mario game and you know any of that's animal crossing there's a lot of fun pokemon Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff it's great all right and our last question because you guys work on this silly show about talking fast food products nate uh do you have a favorite fast food restaurant like a burger joint or or whatever taco bell taco bell (laughs) can't go wrong with it i knew nate was going to say taco bell like immediately there was like no question that nate would say taco bell what about you, Josh? What's your go-to? Uh, I don't. I don't eat a lot of fast food. My guilty pleasure is cereal. That's <laughs> not fast food, I know, but I love having a bowl of cereal like at ten thirty at night every night. It's this weird ritual mm-hmm. that I've done since I was a child. I'm part of the ten thirty p.m. cereal <laughs> club, I guess, and just a sugary bowl of you know whatever fun cereal. That's my guilty pleasure food <laughs> yeah i don't eat fast food yeah well i mean uh, it's all right because uh cereal is equally as bad for you so <laughs> exactly exactly you gotta have something yeah yeah uh, before we head out is there anything that you guys would like to add that we didn't touch on that you think is worth mentioning mortal Kombat is also one of my favorite games game series <laughs> <laughs> I showed you my Gretsch guitar that I just got. That's that's purple and beautiful. But I, mm-hmm. I named her Sindel after the Mortal Kombat. Oh, character. nice, nice. nice. That's I've great. been I've been thinking about that guitar ever since you showed it to us last week. It's so beautiful, Ronnie. I was going to tell you. I know, obviously, you're going through episodes. You're kind of like right at the at the point that I started, right? Like you're what what season are you in currently with their recaps? I'm almost halfway through four. You started right on season three, so I've covered yeah a, a handful, a good amount of your episodes. I th- you're getting sort of into that like the meat of of episodes that I feel like you know both Nate and I you know worked the hardest on and stuff. So if ever you need any 
additional stuff like send me an email yeah. and just say hey do you remember anything about grim reaper gutters or just some whatever episode yeah. and we'll, i need to yeah. i need because i always feel bad because i don't want to be like hey at th- three minutes and 47 seconds on this episode you know what, what? Oh, man. <laughs> like yeah do you remember this from 20 years ago what's happened what was happening here i got nothing going on man you can bug me anytime All right, now Josh here, he's just being modest, all right? He has a lot going on. Not only is he working in freelance animation still, but I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. I hope it's okay, but he also bought a bookstore with some of his friends. So he co-runs a bookstore as well. I think he's plenty busy, but I wanted to include this here because above anything else, I want you to know how excited the people who just put their heart and soul into this show are that we on this podcast care enough about all these little intricacies of Aquatine, these things that for some reason uh, people haven't really talked that much about until now. And I want you to know how willing they are to help with this and how much they they appreciate that we that we still care about this show so much. And that is not the case for other shows that these guys have worked on. And I'm not trying to speak for Nate and Josh here, uh, but also I, I'm kind of speaking for just a lot of other people who we've talked to on the podcast who have worked on other shows that they are not quite as excited uh, to talk about. But they're all very excited to talk about Aqua Teen. And as such a huge fan of this show... Uh, Every single time, it never gets old for me how excited these guys are to talk about this fantastic show that we love and they love as well. So it means a lot to me as a fan of the show how, how happy these guys are to relive this show. And there's so much more in this conversation that I love. For example, the fact that these guys, like, they really had to go in and, and memorize aspects of previous episodes that they could reuse in future episodes to make those work. I mean, we talk about that constantly on the podcast in the deep dives. I'll be like, hey, you know, Carl just did that run that he did in a previous episode that we saw for the first time there or something along those lines. And that didn't happen just by happenstance. I mean, these were the guys making those decisions and having that encyclopedic memory that made Aqua Teen work. And it was those decisions that we are talking about 20 years later. So, of course, hearing that is such a thrill. Uh, To a personal note, for me, something I loved hearing, I loved all the music that both Nate and Josh had to talk about. I love bands that both of them were mentioning, both bands that I was familiar with and unfamiliar with. For example, I'm not familiar with the Refused record, The Shape of Punk to Come, but after listening to it to get a clip, I'm like, holy crap, I gotta check this out. And it was cool to hear Josh mention Ice Choir because they're a band I really love and I've never heard anybody talk about them before. But, you know, back to Aqua Teen, it was cool to hear how much Matt and Dave were in the animation suite, I guess, you know, down at Radical Axis, really looking over these things. Again, Matt and Dave are not animators, but they did care about how the animation looked and they did have an impact on that. So I think that's important to note that they were involved as much as they could be. But to take a step in the other direction, Again, one of the missions of this podcast is for you as an Aquatine fan to understand how much of an impact these individuals had on this show that uh, I think it was Nate said here that like their job was to make it funny. Their job really was to make Matt and Dave laugh. And that was their favorite thing to do. And one of the best parts of working on Aquatine is to get those guys laughing at stuff that that Nate and Josh came up with. And and same thing like with Bob Pettit coming up with with funny art gags and and just everybody coming up with the best that they possibly could to make this show great. 
So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly enjoyed getting to have it. And just a huge thank you to to Josh and Nate for coming on the podcast and, and giving us their time. Again, check the description if you would like to find ways to kind of get in contact with them. Again, Josh has his website. As of this recording, there's really nothing on it, but he is planning to eventually maybe put up some of his like VHS rips and stuff that he's been doing. He's very big into VHS. You should have seen his background. It's a whole wall of VHS back there. So uh, he, he's planning to use that eventually, I believe. So keep an eye on it. And again, with Nate, you can check out his demo reel and leave a comment for him if you so choose. But all right, that is it for me this week. Thank you so much for listening in. If it wasn't for you listening, there'd be no reason to have these kinds of conversations. And of course, thank you to our supporters of this podcast, the people who head on over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, giving their hard-earned cash every month so that I can continue to do this podcast. I love doing this podcast. I want to keep doing it, but I can't keep doing it without the help of those who support this show. And they're not just getting my thanks here. For example, uh, they get to submit questions for whenever I interview people on the podcast from Aqua Teen. And you never know who's going to pop up on the podcast. So you're just going to have to get on there and find out ahead of time. They also get an exclusive episode every month where we deep dive into other Aqua Teen stuff like Space Kataz, Baffler Meal. Uh, we even did a nine-part series on colon movie film for theaters. That's a long son of a bitch, let me tell you. We also dive into other Adult Swim shows, but through the lens of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, we see how it compares and contrasts. Uh, I upload nude photos of myself there that people just love to see. Oh, wait, no, that's my OnlyFans, never mind. But you know what? You know who's supporting harder than anybody else out there? Our Highlander, Nick. There can be only one! There's only one bit of Aqua Teen content in the past 20 years that Nate or Josh have not touched, and to my knowledge, that is the recent Pop-Tarts commercial, just like there's only one Nick. A bit of a stretch here, okay, but uh, I, I wanted to say it. Neither of them worked on that Pop-Tarts commercial, so that's the one thing I could think of. Well, okay, actually, no, there's a second thing. I don't think that they touched uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force Zombie Ninja Pro-Am, the video game. But did you really expect them to? It's a video game. And of course, shout out to our number one in the Hood G-Tier patrons. Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Lechera, Tone, 69, Empower 706, Swimwiki, Carson, Lurvenator, Tegan, and Thorin, the Grumpy Dwarf. You guys can open the folder that says Josh sucks any day of the week. I'll see you next week for another interview. Holy smokes. Let me tell you, you're going to want to get some french fries for that one. Wink, wink. All right, bye-bye. See you then. Bye-bye. Oh, Josh, if I could ask you really quickly, uh, because you worked on Aquadonk side pieces and then and then Plantasm, but you did not work, or Andy worked on Yinor as well, mm -hmm. which was uh, something Matt Malero was working on, uh, but you did not work on Postocalypse. Is that because you just left Bento at that point, or? Yeah, like, I, you know, it, it always happens as a freelance animator, I'm constantly jumping back and forth between whatever studio will keep me employed at the time. So 
I've, I've definitely like worked at Bento for probably the longest extent after Radical Axis. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, jumping over to Floyd County or jumping over to Awesome Incorporated, like I have good relationships with all of those studios. So uh, I was constantly just kind of hopping around. But it it always happened where you know, I would finish a project at a certain studio and try to look for the next job. And like, say I would hop over to Awesome Incorporated, but then I would hear later that, you know, Bento is making pasta apocalypse. And I'd be like, oh, I would have loved to be a part of that. But, you know, mm-hmm. you just kind of have to pick the, pick, there's so many other projects overlap and you just kind of have to pick one or whatever is working with your own schedule. I remember Nate uh, going over to Awesome Inc., I think it was like right after you guys finished too many cooks and Mm -hmm. just kicking myself that I wasn't a part of the studio, like right at that moment when you guys made too many cooks, I think I actually saw too many cooks before it was released and just saw like an early version of it. Um, But I've missed out on so many little projects. I've also been a part of so many amazing projects, but Mm -hmm. you can't work on everything, sadly. I was just going to say, I don't think I've ever felt older than when I was uh, <laughs> work, uh, working with an a animator at Archer. And I mentioned, you know, I worked on Aqua Teen. And she's like, oh, my dad used to watch that when I was a kid. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for that, Savannah. <laughs> <laughs>